Dancing is very like poetry. It's like poetic lyricism. Sometimes it's like the rawness of dramatic poetry. It's like the terror. Or it can be like a terrible revelation of meaning. Because when you light on a word, it strikes you to the heart. That was a quote from the American dancer and choreographer Marta Graham in a 1985 New York Times interview uh, called Marta Graham Reflects on Her Art and a Life in Dance. And it's in a book, um, The New York Times Guide to the Arts of the 20th Century. So I'm John Fanning and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. How's it going out there? I hope you're all doing well. Um... And being creative when you can, if you can. And so this is episode 17 of my series of episodes on imagination, creativity, um, based around my book Create. Uh, Last time I spoke about rejection and failure, and today I'm going to talk about what I'm going to call the dancer and the dance, and doing what you love. So, in in one of his poems, W.B. Yeats asked the question, how can we know the dancer from the dance? And it's a big question, um, because I suppose the best way to, to get at it would be to talk about uh, a lady, a Nigerian dancer that came to Lemuse. Um, any of you guys who don't, who come in, uh, to this podcast... Uh, on this episode, Lemuse is a retreat down the south of France that myself and my wife founded about nearly 20 years ago. Um, it's for writers and artists and dancers and choreographers and directors and all forms of creative people. So, But anyway, this, this lovely lady, she came uh, about 10 years ago to Lemuse and she made me think more about that Yeats idea because we'd studied that poem when we were kids in school in Ireland. And uh, when when you see this or saw this woman dance, you thought, this is what she is, a dancer. Um, because she's she's in the dance. She, she like becomes the dance. And the dance becomes her, which is, I suppose, what uh, Yeats was trying to get at. Uh, the sense of freedom. You know, she's she's free when she's dancing. But when you ask her about her life, you find out she's actually not a dancer. She's a medical doctor. And she also writes poems. She actually calls the poems uh, dance poems. And the poems um, are basically her dance in words, the way she feels the word should express what it is that she is kind of inexpressible. So when she's poetic, she's dancing. And when she's writing, she's dancing. And so she's she's free. You, you can see the freedom when she dances. You can, you can feel the freedom from the words when she writes about it too, when she's dancing with words. 
And so I think this this idea of the dancer and the dance is a great way of getting into the freedom of what it is to create and uh, how poetically it can be expressed and not expressed in a sense. Um, so this idea of I have no free time. I have a friend that hates that sentence. Uh, he says that it's it's your mind, it's not you. Um, the I in that sentence is your mind or your ego. But you are not your mind or ego because you are you. So so free time, in a sense, is a it's a mind construct, as is time itself as a human construct. Time, you know, um, we ch- we choose what to do with the time we have in a day, or choose to do what we have with the time we have in a life. And freedom comes in knowing we are choosing. So we have to be aware of that first. I mean, so this idea of I have no free time. Yes, life's full of distractions, um, but we have to create freedom so we can create. We have to create time. And to do this, we we create disciplines and rituals, and we have to show up to do the work every day. And I'll get into the idea of habit and rituals and then work in other episodes. Um, but when you are free, to free, you... When you're free, you you create your own new system. You know whether it's an organic garden or a, or a community of writers or workers or a new political movement. So so this form of creation frees you from the economic or dogmatic restrictions, um, depending on what system or or society you're in. And it's truly countercultural, and because of that, it's difficult. And you know. Uh, so yes, accepting freedom into your life can lead to anxiety because, you know, it's anxiety provoking to to do something different and to try to create, you know, when you're you you're going to the job. I'll talk about that in a minute, but it's it's kind of like what Kierkegaard said, you know, when he said uh freedom can lead to dizziness, you know. So it's natural, you know, this this embrace of the dizziness or the excitement of of creating something um as opposed to seeing it just as as anxiety uh, is to kind of embrace it as excitement so you know it's better to be you're better being it's better you're better off being excited about change than frightened by it it's a step further towards uh, some form of creative freedom and so if we accept this dizziness as a natural part of creative freedom then we become free uh, free to create. So personally, I suppose when I write, uh, I'm like the dancer with her dancing. I get lost in the writing. I'm literally in the writing. And many writers I've met over the years, it's the same. They talk about the same joy and the same uh, loss of self by going further into the self by writing and then just losing yourself in it. So I, I become the writing like the dancer becomes the dance. And so time disappears. You know, the dancers dancing, that they're not aware of time until the end of the dance. Um, it's the same with an actor. It's the same with so many creative acts. And the dance is a great way of um, embracing that idea. 
So the time disappears and all of a sudden three hours has passed and, you know, I'll be riding and I haven't even realized I haven't eaten. So every creator I've ever met on retreats or friends or enjoy this feeling, this to, to get lost in the work, because that's the joy of it. The act of creation becomes joyful, euphoric, um, a meditative experience. And, you know, meditation is a very positive experience and gives you, it replenishes you. Um, this feeling, it, it kind of it feeds into everything you do in your life then afterwards. It makes you feel good because you, you're satisfied and that satisfaction is uh, satisfying a, an important need to get lost, to, to, to step out of the quotidian, away from your job, away from so many other distractions, to get lost in creation. And it changes the way you think or how you were taught to think when you're creating something, when you're in creation. And when you're in it, you're, you're literally different you're, because you're, you're focused, because life around you then recedes when you're in the flow of creation. So, of course, you, you don't have to be a dancer to dance, you know. It's just, a, just like you don't have to be a golf pro to love playing golf. And, and why, why is that? Uh, well, because it's an act, you know. Golf, you golf. You uh, dance, you dance. Uh, in that moment, you're the golfer, the dancer. You, you become a part of it and you just get into it. You become the creation when you're creating, when you dance, when you hit the ball down a fairway, when you're when you're in it, you become part of that action. It's those moments when you actually hit a shot and you get it right, or when you move through space in a beautiful uh, motion, uh, whether it's hitting a golf ball or moving your your legs through space. Uh, once once you're in it and then that's where the joy comes from. And, you know, this idea, um, there is a, a gentleman called Mihalai Sisamilai, um, hopefully I'm pronouncing his, right, his name correctly, it's quite a long name. Uh, I'll leave it in the transcript notes so that you can check it out. But the the, the name of the book, that'd be easier way to find it, is um, Flow. Uh, or the psychology of optimal experience. So flow the psychology of optimal experience. He, so he talks about this this flow state and uh, talks about so many different types of people going through uh, this flow state. How they enter into what's called a flow state, and that can be again golfing or somebody climbing a mountain, and they're at the top of a cliff. They don't think about all the other worries because they're in that flow state. And that's a creative state. It's when your mind is no longer taking over. So you're lost to the dance and or you're lost to the climbing or the running or the create whatever it is that you're creating in that moment. And it's a it's a joyful feeling because you forget about time and you forget about your worries and you know, the suffering of everyday thought structures going rattling around your head telling you all these negative things. You know, they're just gone because you're in that flow state. So that's why people get into it. That's why people get so into running or, you know, runners talk about it after 20 minutes to get into that flow state or climbers when they get up 
and they start to get to that height where it's dangerous. They have to get into a different form of awareness. So you don't have to be the best to get lost in dancing or in climbing or in writing. You just try you have to try and get into into a flow state. And we go against our natures when we reject this dancer flow state or climber flow state or rider flow state. You're, you're basically, you're rejecting flow. And when you go against our nature, well, well, we're not being true to ourselves or this natural joyful act of being alive. And so then, you know, connected with that then is the, the best the best way to get into that flow state of creation is the other part of what I want to talk about in this episode is this idea of doing what you love. So you get into a flow state by doing what you love. So uh, if you do what you love, you will hopefully uh, over focus and time, you'll displace time and become more focused and aware without time. Uh, I talked a bit about this before in this in the second episode when I when I talked about my experience managing um, the Good Mixer is this pub in uh, in London during the the Britpop nineties and all those creators that came in all these musicians and writers and stuff that came in they taught me the lesson to do what you love uh, irrespective of whether you get rich or you get famous. Because doing what you love, creating what you love, makes you makes you happy and lets fun and joy into your life. And yes, I know there's this uh, negative part of all of this. A lot of people don't and can't do what they love all the time. And obviously this is because of things that I've talked about before, like access whether it be to culture, finances, money, uh, to education, to so many different things. and Because we're not all given the same opportunities. Um, and then there's, there's, a, there's a guy called Johan Harry, and in his book Lost Connections, and then in an, an interview that he gave there not so long ago, he talks about this, um, referring to research about how people feel about, about work. And this opinion poll that came out from Gallup, and they found in the in the poll that only thirteen percent of us actually like our jobs most of the time, and then like sixty three percent of us actually sleep work, which means, excuse me, which basically yeah the sleep work stuff it basically means we we don't like our job but we don't hate it we just kind of tolerate it you know like 63% and then there's 24% of us who who hate and, and actually fear going into the job so so those numbers are are pretty enlightening stuff you know uh enlightening in you know being aware of where a lot of people are and why it's such a battle then to create, you know, because that basically means that 80% of people on the planet don't like the thing they're doing most of the time. You know, each week, most of your time is spent doing something that you basically don't like doing. And, and of course, depending on where you are or depending on how 
capitalistic or authoritarian your society is, this is only going to get worse, you know, it's going to cut even more and more into a person's day. People complain about this, you know, it's like working longer work hours or, you know, you think of those kids over there working those 14 hours in, in India, you know, or in China, you know, so it's, it's to, to think of them trying to be creative is it's a very it's a pretty big wall you know but and there's always exceptions but it's important to understand that so so yes okay yes this this is a fact but but there is a there's a but you know it's uh if we think creatively we can uh, create windows through these these kind of insurmountable walls and create the the time to invest in doing what we love what we love to create it's like me with this podcast you know i could just go well you know i don't want to do this i'm just going to write my book because i got to go to the day job too you know and no i'm going to do it because i committed to it and i'm going to create time for it because it's important it's important to get it down and i get joy from finishing it and from moments when i'm speaking and trying to understand all these parts of creativity and the imagination and doors and walls that you know i get inspired so it's it's worth trying to carve out that time in that wall you know carve out some part of that wall and insert creativity into it you know and invest in doing what we love like create those chinks in in the wall uh, to do what we love to do what we love to create so yes not all of us can start you know cooperatives and create meaningful fulfilling work for for whatever reason or reasons but we can try to create little small windows inside those walls into the things that we love and we can start small and be consistent and focused about being consistent. No matter how many times the damn ego tries to sabotage uh, our efforts to tell us we're wasting our time, etc. You know, all those other walls that I talked about before. So, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of like when we started Lemuse. Um, you know, we know a conventional business plan. We actually had no business plan. We didn't even know what a bloody business plan was, you know. So, But we, we just kept making mistakes. And so, you know, you, you gradually whittle away at that wall by by continuing to make mistakes and learning. You, you, you just try to keep smiling. And even when you're kicked to the ground again, you, you try to smile again at it and laugh at it. Um, it's not always easy, but, you know, you, you try to pick yourself back up and just you know, uh, let's try and get another brick out of that wall, you know. And you because, sm- you know, to smile at it, at it is actually a really cool way. As somebody said it to me once. You know, smile. Smile is one of the most creative things that you, you can harness, you know. You smile at the, uh, have the audacity to smile. It's very creative. It frees you from, you know, the somber, bleak realities of these walls that are up against so many of us, like that 87% of us. Um, so uh, part of that would be to know why you're doing what you want to do. Uh, then then the, 
thinking disappears creating just takes over and as i was saying before time disappears because you get into that dance flow state and because you're doing what you love so when i ran the the retreat i'd be in for example my office for four or five hours not realizing it's half an hour past dinner time so one of my boys or, or my daughter would knock on my door and it's only then that i'd realize the four hours had gone by and of course to me it only felt like minutes and that's because i was in the moment i was alive lost in the process because the process is the most important part i was disconnected from time from the construct of time and didn't realize that time had just passed so of course you know the opposite is true too if you're doing something you don't love then four or five hours feels like twice that time you know uh, if you love taking cars apart if it makes you joyful then you're creating and it just time just disappears it matters to you and it may not matter to other people so much but it matters to them if you come back into the house joyful you know so so what is it you you love you know what do you love what do you enjoy actually that word enjoy is what 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 gives you joy It, it literally what creates joy in you en joy i think that's greek uh en uh meaning in and if you enjoy doing someone doing uh, something, uh, then that's probably your form of creation, your field. You could be doing someone as well. You could be acting, you know. Um, but so the question is to, to what brings you joy and then why, you know, just like interrogate it a bit. Because if you love what you do, you don't care how much you're pay, getting paid, you know, when you're in it. When you're creating what you love, you, you're alive. You're, you're completely alive. You, you can't buy that. Uh, that's joy. That's fun. That's that's a real that's real purpose. You know, so many, and so many people lack purpose in life, and then basically medicate themselves because they're not doing what they love. And when you discover what you love, it's an epiphany, a joy. You know, and whether you're medicating yourself with drugs or with television or with you know, um, uh, social media or whatever it is that's the distraction or the thing that's stopping you, then you're cutting yourself off from discovering what you love and from epiphanies and from joy. You know, um, the American... um, There's the American Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, was once asked what it means to be brilliant... Uh, to be a visionary, you know, you know, this is the guy that's well into NASA and uh, looking at the stars and stuff. A very inspiring guy, uh, scientifically, and he responded by uh, when they asked the question what it means to be brilliant or to be vi- to be visionary, he just responded by saying he was just doing what he loves. And he said, if everyone did what they loved, then everyone would be a visionary and everyone would be brilliant. So the man doesn't understand like certain parts of reality. For like for him, for example, uh, the word vacation, he doesn't understand that. Because for every day for him it's a vacation. What he does what he does is already a vacation. And I've met, you know, uh, people who create who, who treat their whole life as a vacation. 
they're just having so much fun because they're doing what they love and that's a blessing and it's a it's a gift you know because not everybody can do that but they work hard to get there as well you know and they get lucky too as Malcolm Gladwell would put it you know um if you meet the right people at the right time you know you can you can reach those goals so I suppose the question would be what are your dreams and work from there and just just write them down and then research them and you know it's not going to be perfect you have to kind of like start off messy and get you know be explorative and um, just try and understand and research how how did others turn the same kinds of dreams as yours into realities um, into creations and I've done this countless times I'm always reading the bios of writers and I used to think it was like a competition thing but um, recently I've realized it's just oh how did they do it you know um, it's not a competitive capitalistic thing really or um, it used to be a jealous thing you know oh they're successful and I'm not but it's not about success it's a it's about process and the most important thing is just to I was trying to figure out really how it is that they got where they got because I'd like to get there as well um, where it's just consistently doing just that all the time so I suppose um, I'm just trying to find out who influenced them you know and who inspired them and why and so it's all these questions become liberating uh, things to embrace and it's fun it's fun to discover oh how did these guys do this how did they write this chapter or how did where where or how did they find the time to write this book or where did they get inspired and why did they do it you know so like all those other people that um who are doing the same kind of thing or are wanting or did the dream that you're trying to create or entertain then you you see it as creating a life so you create your life from from getting inspired from and influenced by those other people who have achieved those dreams and and that's the the greatest creation is to create a life and you know it doesn't have to be everything all at once you know it's this kind of idea oh it's just got to happen right away well no most things it's like it's a beautiful expression in the south of france in the mountains they have all the octogenarians i'm, I'm presuming i said this before i put it at the beginning of a novel once uh, it's petit a petit l'oiseau fait son nid which means uh, bit by bit the bird makes its nest and you know i mentioned that in a different podcast as well and it's it means a lot to me because it's this idea of nothing gets done straight away you have to be like the bird and pick up the pieces of straw or whatever it is and make your nest and it's it's a slow process it doesn't happen in one day because and it's hard to create a life you know it takes a lot of focus and you got to plan uh, but if you're not planning um then you're you're going to fail in trying to arrive at it you know so you just got to put it out there but i suppose what i'm trying to say is you have a choice to create the life you want and you can do that by by uh 
trying to go after what it is you your dance is. Um, how is it you want to be a dancer in creativity? And that in conjunction with that then is by creating what you love is usually the best path to that. So you you construct the house of your life around what you love uh, from the from the foundation almost, yes, yeah, from the foundation up. And, you know, walls are no good without a foundation. So, and windows are useless without the walls to put them in. So if you if you can't get the basic tools to create what you love, then how will you ever put in a beautiful bay window with a view of the forest, you know? Um, so, yeah, so you can rip out the foundation of negativity, those walls of negativity, and just create your own one, create your own foundation. So, and it takes time to build a house. For any of you guys who've built a house, uh, you know, and you have to start off at the at the bottom, and you have to start off at the base. So, and then build up those creative walls with loads of light coming in, those windows and doors into creativity and imagination and stuff. So, so how are you going to, for example, uh, get a computer to write that novel? You know, you don't have one. Well, you got to start saving and. Try to find a tool. Start off with the tools of your trade to to build that creative life. And how are you going to buy the land to build the foundations? What will eventually be your end goal? A finished house you will live in. That creative house you want to live in. You know, actually, it reminds me of Carl Jung when he was. You know, he was really old. Um, I I, I can't remember. I think I put this in a, in an episode le- uh, later on as well. But right now, I'm thinking of it because. He was forever creating and he built a, um, he, he just kept building inside his own house and he was consistently being creative even outside of his, and it didn't matter what the goal was, you know, he just wanted to create and so he just kept building and he was building parts and somebody asked him once, what are you building? He said he doesn't know because he hasn't built it yet. So, but he he had a base on which to to grow from and evolve from, and he was embracing his creativity, which then helped him with his psychology and discovering other parts of psychology from his own personality. So, you know, a wall. There's many walls that will appear when you when you start trying to do what you love. You know, and things like you know, oh, but I'm only starting out. Well. It, and I'm never going to get anywhere, you know. I don't know how this is going to work out, you know. I don't even know what a bleeding foundation is. But, you know, there's so many of us that don't know what a, the ba- the basement of creativity is or the imagination is. We just have to start building it. Because we're all just starting out. You know, this is my first non-fiction book. I'm an amateur too, you know. So I'm just starting out and... You know, as I was saying in the last episode, if I fail at it, I don't really care. I'm just doing it anyway because I'm only going to learn by doing and I'm only going to learn by making mistakes and then by making mistakes to try and hopefully make it better. Well, not hopefully, it will get better. You just have to make it better. And, you know, that word um, amateur, you know, it's a French word, you know, and it means... um, it means someone who loves something, you know, in amateur, and, you know, coming from the verb uh, to love, you know, and 
you know, so I love encouraging people to create because I've been doing, been organically talking about it to people for nearly two decades. So I, I love talking about it because it just comes naturally to me because I've met so many different creators and talked about this. And for me, I'll always be an amateur at it because I'm always learning something new about it. So uh, irrespective of whatever someone else thinks of this book when I get it done, it's a part of a process of me learning more and just embracing uh, doing what I love is just creating something through writing it and talking it through. So being an amateur... It's it's actually cool just just to say you're an amateur, you know. I think there's there's just many you know, uh, well known people, or creators who have said that they're amateurs. I met many people. They say, oh, I'm just doing my thing. I'm just putting one word in front of another, or you know, and just putting a, one paint stroke on after another. So be an amateur. It takes a lot of pressure off because we're all amateurs. Because if you really love what you're creating, then you, you'll always be falling in love with it again and again and again and again. Excuse me. Because uh, you're always being curious about how it works. Ah, how does this chapter work? Or I can do this different because I learned from the last time I did one that if I do this, it'll make it, it'll make it more effective. It'll make it more beautiful or more meaningful and emotional. So... Uh, you know, if if I think about this book, this create book, um, will I get everything I want to in, into the book itself? No. You know, why? Well, like I said before, perfection, uh, nothing's perfect and there's, there's always more to learn, more to, more, more, more to love about in, in my field of, uh, creativity. So there's always something more to learn. So, you know, uh, be an amateur, you know, be an eternal amateur because it allows you to continue to learn and continue to get inspired. So even when you're starting out, uh, understand that everybody who really loves what they're doing, they are amateurs. And so I suppose we should just try and reclaim that word. And, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off as well. And it doesn't matter what you create. If it if it makes you joyful, then it's worth doing. So, you know, to most everyone else, it's it's about the finished book, the painting, the finished building, the finished car. But to you it's it's it shouldn't be about that. It's well to me anyway, it's not. It's about process, the fun of doing it. You know, getting a kick out of it. You know, you, you, this character said that. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Or ah, oh, that's really sad you know and it's to get that joy out of that for a painter it's completely different from somebody you know who designs clothing it's completely different you know it's like how does it hang on the body oh that's a beautiful way and you know it's 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 uh it's only by doing it that you find how it should hang you know same with a painting how does it hang on a wall and so it doesn't matter if other people care about what you create, you know? Who cares if they think that the clothes hanging on, on the body or on the painting hanging on the wall are crap? Who cares? What matters is that you care about what you create. So, and 
you find out about what it is you care about, what it is you care about creating by doing what you love. Finding the dance that makes you, as they say in French, a lovely phrase, just after remembering it now, it's one of my daughter says all the time, saute de joie, which means uh, jumping for joy. You know, it's the same in English, jumping for joy. Actually, I didn't even think that. Uh, but uh, in French, it always seems very um, inspiring and uh, euphoric, you know. Je saute de joie. I'm jumping for joy. So, you know, it's this this jump into creation. This jump, this dance into creation. And to get lost in that. To get lost in the dance. You're no longer the dancer. You're no longer uh, John. Or you're no longer that Nigerian dancer. You're the dance. And that's the joy of process. So, thanks for listening. Uh, I started with a quote from him from an American dancer and choreographer. And as usual, I'm, I'm going to end with an Irish proverb. Uh, this one means uh, you'll never plough a field turning it over in your mind. You know, you'll never plough a field turning it over in your mind. I like that one a lot. Anyway, Ninyenok Shmini on Trawadit. Ninyenok Shmini on Trawadit. So... This podcast is supported by you, the listener, via my Patreon page. And if you want to support the podcast and help me uh, keep moving it forward, um, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash John Fanning, where you can get uh, this early and no ads, as I presume on whatever you're listening to, you get these ads. And I'm going to start putting up extra episodes as well. I'll start doing interviews and stuff. And if you if you can afford it, then as they as people always say, and I said the last time, I think, you know, the cost of a cup of tea or a pint of Guinness once a month. So if you can't afford it, that's grand too. You know, just you know, uh, listen to it for free. But try to subscribe on iTunes um, or wherever it is that you're listening to it. And leave a review. That's that's one of the most important things. It's just leave a review so other people can find it, you know. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's existing in a vacuum. And, you know, I want people to hear this stuff because I, I've i learned uh, so much from other creators. And I want to pass this on. It's, it's it's being of service. Because I want to listen. The more the listenership grows, the more people will get to hear this. Uh, you can, alternatively, you can go over to my website. That's johnfanning.me and click on their podcast to see the transcripts of this i'll try and put up uh transcripts for everyone and if you want to get in contact with me uh or dm me on uh, any of that social stuff like instagram or twitter then um, you can get that off my site and so that's it uh it's been great uh sharing all this dance around the dance and doing what you love with you guys today and until next time when I start talking about enthusiasm and passion 
and the idea of madness. So until next time, uh, take care of yourself out there and be benevolent when you can. Shlan live August. Good night, Ryan Bohr live.